Hello and welcome Cougar fans, Alex Amica here with you for the Barton Community College Cougar Clawcast, and I'm here with head men's track coach, or head men's and women's track coach Dave Shenick. and coach, you've had, you're just done with your indoor season, you have nationals next week, so far in the season you went to Coffeyville for your first meet, then you guys went down to Texas Tech, your only Division One meet of the season, and then you've had three straight meets at Pitt State, uh, one from the conference, one from Iowa Central and Region 6. Overall, you know, your season's gone really well, you know, what all, I guess, in one word, how would you describe your season? Uh, crazy. <laughs> um, uh, you know, basically starting in November, uh, just trying to, I mean, uh, honestly, trying to plan a season. Normally, you're thinking about this stuff in September. Uh, we had plans all the way through this, the summer of trying to travel to a bunch of different meets. Obviously, COVID changes a lot of stuff. Um, op, uh, opportunities change, rules change, and then by the time you get to November, we're kind of running around um, and trying to figure out, um, you know, what places we can go and what we're going to do. And so by the time, I mean, I don't think we actually ironed out a schedule outside of we knew we had planned on going to Texas Tech. Other than that, Probably nothing until January, which is like insane. We're you know we're like a week out from traveling, and we're trying to figure out where we're going. I, I want to key in on the Region Six meet you guys were at last week. You guys faced or you guys finished runner up, uh, both behind Cloud. You had the field athlete of the meet on the women's side with Anna De Silva. You had the top men's assistant of the meet with Coach Edgerton, and you had Anya Ashley. She was the high point uh, women's athlete of the meet. You know, you guys did really well, and you guys have always done really well at the Region Six meet. Uh, Cloud's kind of catching up to you a little bit in terms of region, but they have a really loaded distance squad, and when it comes to national, it kind of be watered down a bit. But, you know, overall in the Region 6 meet, you know, how did you, what do you like out of your performance going into nationals? Uh, so the good news was we got back on the track. I mean, a lot of us hadn't been on the track in three weeks. Um, uh, a, lot, a lot of our sprinters and hurdlers and what have you, they hadn't been on the track. Uh, we saw some throwers, you know, uh, come in a couple weeks ago, um, getting ready for uh, for that meet. But for the most part, just getting um, getting an opportunity to be out there. Um, one of the things that we've been missing, just with trying to take care of uh, responsibilities uh, with COVID and all that stuff, is we try and stay away from each other. We try and stay away from everyone else. And when you do that, unfortunately, you kind of create some individuality. So. Um, the big thing that we really need to work on coming out of this is working together as, as a team. You know, we weren't really built for a region this year. Uh, COVID just kind of decimated us through um, grades and, and some people just not even coming and, and all kinds of stuff um, uh, in the fall. And so because of that, we've had to really work on um, trying to come together. And because, again, like I said, it's a track and field is such a different sport you know throwers are throwing in one facility and sprinters and hurdlers and jumpers are in another facility um so that's our biggest thing is learning how to grow as a team and as a group and normally when we're traveling together we get a lot more opportunity to kind of um you know move around and be you know kind of as a team and as a, as a group and uh, go do things and now there's just so many limitations on what you can do it's go to your room stay in your room don't you know because we you can't meander around we can't mingle with other people, we can't do all those things. So it's literally just go to your room, come to the meet. Go to your room, come to the meet. And, um, and there's a lot of times where you can't even be inside the meet. 
uh, the same time your, your teammates are. So that's our biggest thing is really how do we fight for each other and not just ourselves, which can already be difficult in a sport that's as individualized as track and field is. Um, but I, you know, I, I think our best is absolutely on the horizon. Um, you know, in a week and a half, we're going to find out what we got. And you guys, you guys will have a week there to work on, you know, kind of gelling together as a team. You have this week off, and then next week you guys will be at Nationals down at Pittsburgh State, the Plaster Center. It'll be the fourth straight meet that Barton has attended at the Plaster Center. You guys were at the conference meet that the Jayhawk Conference hosted. You then had the Triton Challenge, which was hosted by Iowa State. Now, that was when the weather wasn't really the best, so you only had a limited squad go down there. I believe it was only the throwers, if I have myself correct. That's right. Uh, and then you guys had the Region 6 meet last week, so... You come in and you you know you have and I guess the whole the rest of Region Six have an advantage on the rest of the nation in a sense, as you guys have had the opportunity to run at the Plaster Center three or four times now in comparison to everybody else, which will be probably their first time uh, running at Pitt State. You know what advantage do you think that gives you and the rest of the Region Six schools in in that re, uh, regard, in, in you know, to the rest of the field with being with having I should say any familiarity with the facility. It, it, <clears throat> you get more accustomed to the ring that you're throwing in. You get more accustomed to the runway that you're running on. Um, you get more accustomed to running on a 300-meter track as opposed to a 200-meter bank track or a 400-meter track. In any given year, you know, uh, you know, most of the high-level teams are going to be moving around and going to some high-level meets. <clears throat> and so you'll see people go to 300-meter tracks. You'll see them run on 200-meter bank tracks. Um, but they all do have a different feel. Um, you know, some tracks are steeper, some tracks are um, on the on the bank, and some aren't as steep, some are flat 200s. I mean, everything feels different. So there's certainly an advantage in kind of knowing the track and where you can push and where you can't. Um, obviously, you talk about running 400s. Um, oftentimes, you're running on a 200-meter track, and you can pace yourself, right, really easy. Sometimes people get lost in pacing on a 300-meter track because it's kind of an oddball number. Um, so there's maybe some advantage there. Uh, getting into a ring, maybe a ring is slower or faster than the rings that you're accustomed to. Uh, so there can be some advantage uh, in, in throwing in that ring or in a specific type of ring. Um, or uh, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Our jumper went uh, this past week to, to Region 6 and discovered that the runway wasn't as long as he's accustomed to. Normally he has... Um, an extra six feet that he was missing, so he had to adjust his approach. Well, when he has to adjust his approach, um, he has to shorten it, and we haven't been training that way, so we've been training off of running, um, you know, a certain amount of, of steps, and then now he has to change his steps, change his rhythm, changes everything. Well, knowing that going in, now we can kind of come out and train here on, on our nice warm days, and we can be on the runway, and we can base our training off of what we have available and knowing that that's what's going to be there so we know it's only x amount of feet as opposed to uh whatever and so that's absolutely it can be an advantage right but um in, in the in the grandest sense you know most tracks are what they are and so it 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 shouldn't really make that much of a difference i don't think uh more advantage is the fact that we've had three four meets, depending on which athletes you're talking about, three or four meets indoors, uh, as opposed to, um, you know, for example, New Mexico Junior College. They've only thrown in one meet or jumped in one meet or ran in one meet because they haven't had opportunities. They've had a lot of restrictions from their county. 
Um, South Plains has been outdoors for all of their meets, good and bad weather. Um, and that's, you know, it's an unfortunate reality of what COVID has kind of done for them. So um, we have that advantage, I think, more than anything. It's just some experience. But in the end, if a kid's going to run fast, kid's going to run fast, you're going to have to beat them on the line. So. And then leading to my next question about Nationals, if Nationals was held this weekend, how do you guys think you would, you know, rank up against everybody else, you know, in terms of going for a national championship? I think we're right in the mix. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of teams that are in the mix um, that we just haven't seen. I mean, we haven't seen New Mexico. We haven't seen a lot of South Plains, but South Plains, like I said, has been outdoors. We've seen probably a little more of them than New Mexico. Um, I think Iowa Central is certainly in there. Um, Cloud Community College is obviously in there, and they got a really strong showing right now. I think they're uh, number one on the women's side and, and uh, number two or three on the men's side. You know, I've, I've gone into Nationals ranked number one and lost. I've gone into Nationals ranked number six and won. Um, it, you, it, it really does have a lot to do with what you do on that day. And in this year, <laughs> the year of COVID and, and craziness, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you could have um, you could have a kid go down uh, the, the, the day before he travels because he tests positive or whatever, um, which is something that we've had to do, um, is, is the testing. That's been different for our sport than any of the other sports. And that's actually something I'm going to mention in this next question here. With COVID, it's a lot different. You guys usually go to a lot of Division One meets throughout the year. This year, you've only been to one, and that was down in Texas Tech. The testing is, is a bit different. You guys go and you guys, uh, because of the meet and because you're at, at Division One schools, most likely, you would have had to have gotten tested. And now, you know, you kind of just you dump, you, you jump down to a lower level. You still have to get tested. This is probably the most, I guess, strict I've seen of all the sports overall that Barton has is the weekly testing. And then alongside that, with the change in competition, usually you guys don't see Region 6 schools until – the Region 6 meet. That changes your regimen for training. That re- that changes, you know, mentally what your kids are thinking uh, during training, during the meet. You know, how much of a, of, a, of a curveball has that thrown into the indoor season, and how much do you think of a curveball that will throw going into the outdoor season as well? Yeah, so uh, obviously with, with the NJCAA, most everything that any sport has done has been – uh, signs and symptoms, right? Screening, a lot of COVID screening. Uh, so we're checking temps and, and making sure there's no no headaches and uh, body aches and all that good stuff, right? Nausea. And, and, and so we go through those checklists and those are the daily, daily screening things. Uh, with our sport, because of the indoor facilities that we use, um, we're oftentimes using facilities that are not within a, another NJCAA school. So um, you, for example, Highland, they have their own facility and they didn't have a testing requirement, but they did have a maximum on number of teams that can go there and compete and what have you. Uh, you look at Pitt State, well, they're a Division Two uh, NCAA school and they have standards, and their county has standards for testing. They're not going to allow 500 people to just show up in their town and not test and, and, and feasibly bring COVID into their town. You could have an outbreak. It's, it's crazy. Um, so... Uh, with the NCAA, it is uh, even more strict. So Big 12 standards, ACC standards, has been uh, a PCR test at the beginning of the week, at least one within the, the, the confines of that week. So that would be um, starting on uh, uh, Sunday or Monday. Um, and then you have to follow that later in the week 
with a subsequent negative test, you can do a PCR test or an antigen test. So the PCR test um, is the long test. Um, has a, it, It's the one that takes about 72 hours most of the time. Uh, there are rapid PCR tests, but those are extremely expensive and most people aren't getting them. Uh, our county offers free PCR testing, but they didn't allow us to use it for whatever reason. Um, so we had the challenge of that. So we went and we had to go outside of our county and find a uh, a nearby place that was also offering the free testing that was willing to do it and uh, it worked great they did awesome they were amazing for us so that was a hurdle that we had to jump through uh, unfortunately I was really kind of hoping um, that we'd get a little bit more help on that end but we didn't um, the school's been awesome nurse Kathy's been awesome on the testing um, and so we get you know our antigen every every week um, uh, an antigen test they stick the swab up your nose make your eyes water and <laughs> Uh, make you cough it's 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 crazy but uh you know you just kind of get used to it and you go through it every week and then yeah it threw a curveball so that's why you know even with us going to Pitt State we do still have to test and most people aren't having to test wherever they're going so they're doing signs and symptoms and then someone you know kind of has but there's you know we've seen some um some cancellations a lot in all these other sports um and so um it, it does have a trickle-down effect. I think the testing has been really good for us. I believe that we're going to see some loosening of some of these restrictions as we see vaccines are, are becoming more readily available um, and, and more of them are out. There's a little bit less concern outdoors. There's way more space. We're 400-meter tracks. We're all outside. You can move people way further apart. Uh, indoor facilities are just really restrictive, and so it's, it's been a lot more limiting. So I think it's going to loosen a little bit and open the door for us outdoors. Um, but again, we're kind of same situation as we were indoors. We've got a couple of plans, a couple of things we'd like to do, but there's just no guarantees. And so, you know, here we are, our first meet's planned in the middle of March. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think we're going to go to it, but I can't tell you for sure. And if not, then there are a, there's a, a, a large schedule of junior colleges that are, are kind of uh, working around each other and, and trying to get some stuff done. Um, and, and so there's there's some fail-safes in, in outdoors. There's a lot more options. But it does, you know, the testing is obviously a challenge. It's been a, a challenge for a lot of people. But like I said, um, our nurse, Kathy Brock, has been awesome on the forefront. She's been with me from day one and talking about testing and what we're going to do. Um, we've set up our testing here. Uh, the school has been, uh, you know, supportive in making sure that we get our kids tested so that we can travel and we can do the things that we need to do as a team so we can compete. So it's, it's been it's been really good and um, really, really pleased with the school's support on, on that end. Barton's been a, a hotbed for Division One transfers over the past, well, pretty much the entire time of Barton track history. The NCAA ch made a change to their eligibility. Uh, last year with spring sports, they weren't counted a year because it was canceled midway through this year, it doesn't count for anybody. Uh, now, it also applies here for the NJCAA, but in that regards, recruiting-wise, that's going to hurt your, your kids a little bit. And then alongside that, some schools, uh, due to financial uh, issues kind of brought to them by COVID, have decided to drop uh, track programs. That, for example, Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, uh, they have a couple of Cougars on the track team with Philippe Barnett. He broke the weight throw last year and uh, Kevin Niedrich, you know, what in terms of recruiting, how is that going to, I guess, affect your players heading forward? And, you know, who knows, maybe the, the schools that were forced to drop due to financial contingencies 
can bring them back in a, in you know a year or two's time possibly, but you know how is that going to affect your kids here in the short term here trying to get onto a Div One team either this uh, either for this upcoming school year twenty one twenty two or later down the future twenty two twenty three. I think that the recruiting process uh, has drastically changed with COVID, and it has thrown a wrench. The biggest monkey wrench in a, in a gearbox you've ever seen. Um, because what you have is um, a few schools that are at some of these larger Power Five conferences. And, and you mentioned Minnesota, for example. And I, I'm not sure where they're at on the reinstatement. I, I thought they were working towards reinstatement of their men's track program. Clemson did drop theirs men's, and, and I haven't seen anything on the reinstatement of it. Um, there, so there's some big Power Five schools that are, yes, they're saying, well, there's expenses there they can also there's title nine right uh which has an effect on how many you know men women and and women's scholarships and so they're trying to balance that out but then you have all the effects of covid and the financial effects and you don't have as much money coming in and so yeah there's there's all that but then you say there's a bunch of kids that are already there that have been on scholarship and they get another year well let's say they want to start their master's program and you want to keep them on scholarship. Well, that's fine. You can. And they don't count against you on your scholarship numbers. But they still cost you money. Mm-hmm. And so you still got to pay those scholarships out. So now you're talking about some of these schools, don't they can keep the kid, right? They can keep the kid on scholarship. But that means that they can't bring in because they can't afford to bring in more money because their, their budget is limited. Some of the schools have the extra money, and they're allowed to keep that kid for an extra year. And sometimes we're getting into two years at this point. And... <laughs> They're allowed to pay that and still bring in the, the normal recruit, right? And still pay for the next scholarship, which is they're very rare. We're not seeing as much of that. And so what you now have is you have an overflow of athletes that are still there that are on scholarship. And because we have not literally, in most instances, we haven't seen a lot of these seniors run or jump or throw since they were sophomores in high school because we didn't see anything in 2020. So we're talking about kids that were recruiting in 21, and they still haven't done anything in track and field. So it's been almost two years. These schools are trying to recruit, and they have no idea what that kid is. You know, because if a kid ran a time and and is a sophomore, maybe they haven't done anything for two years. Maybe they've done everything in two years, and they're a superstar now. We have no idea. So then the recruiting changes on that end. So now there's less opportunities for seniors because there's more people that are staying in the colleges. So it... And, and now you, you talk about our kids, it actually, you think, well, now normally a kid leaves junior college and they only have two years. Some of them are going to have three, right? And some of them, you know, depending on how everything irons out, I mean, some of them are going to get three years, and then there's all kinds of NCAA waivers you can, you can request, and waivers are getting approved at a rate that I've never seen. I mean, it's... It's insane. I mean, it, it's almost like if you just fill out the paperwork for a waiver in the NCAA, you get it. As long as you can fill out the paperwork. Uh, so there's there's way more options. So I think it's actually opened the door a little bit in this realm because it's giving a junior college kid a little bit more eligibility, possibly down the pipeline. Um, and, it's, and, it, and it could be beneficial. And it all depends on how they're going to count things, right? So if the NCAA isn't counting indoors this year, but the NJCAA is counting, you know, who's going to count what, who's going to get the waiver, it's going to be crazy long-term. Um, I don't think it's hurt our recruiting. I think we still have a good 
recruiting base, I still think we've still got a lot of people that are interested in our kids. The one thing that has been unfortunate because of this, because they continue to extend this, uh, this, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the dead period, right? Yeah. So they can't come and see the kids. Uh, a lot of times we would have a schedule and, and, and basically every week we would have a schedule that says, um, you know, who's going to come that week. You know, it might say, you know, South, uh, Southern Illinois and then Texas and then whatever and everybody has their day and we'd have 15, 20 schools come in the fall and come and see kids. And so some of these young kids would get a chance to kind of show their stuff and the practices and they haven't had a chance to kind of do that. Outside of that, I don't think it's affected us too much. I just think it's going to really, I think, uh, end game, it's going to really change the way people do recruiting in the future anyways, because we've spent basically uh, over a year now. We're at a year right now, but we're going to get to over a year where, like, they're not allowed to see you in person. You're not even allowed to see people on campus. So a lot of it has become technologically driven. You're talking about virtual tours. You're talking about phone calls and, 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 uh, and kids coming on campus and you not seeing them and them just choosing, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So it, it'll be interesting, but I, I don't think it's hurt our kids, uh, in that sense. I think it's actually opened up some doors with, um, eligibility opportunities. Good. Good. I was about to say, coach, that's going to wrap up our tour. Good luck again next week at nationals. Thanks again for sitting down and having the time to chat with us. I've been Alex Hamicke. This has been the Barton Community College Cougar Clockcast. Until next time, see you later, Cougar Nation.